tell me that once in your life you did not ask the question why, then you're lying to me and to yourself. You are going to get asked these questions on a regular basis. We don't live strictly within the walls of this church. We live in this culture. And we have to be able to speak clearly and confidently about our beliefs, about our Lord, about who he is. And people are going to say, what happens? Do you still believe that he's good in all of this? That's a child with cancer. Probably died after this picture. You still believe that he's good? Absolutely. It has to be an inequivocal answer is yes. But why? What about when we sin? Is God still good? Most people argue, say, yeah, God is good. The sin is on us, not on him. But we're created in his image. That's an argument. Like he, gives he gave us good will. That's right. But if we were created in his image, does that mean that he has the capacity to sin? You see where the you see where those where those thoughts can lead? So when we sin or when we fall, there's Two categories that we experience in our life. Temptations versus trials. Who knows the difference? Hands up. Brilliant. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 21. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We're going to break up into groups of four. And we're going to define temptations versus trials. So, one, two, three, four, 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 one, two, one can join this group, and one can join this group. Okay, so you're gonna take five minutes. Are we, I'm sorry, are we splitting based on numbers? Or are we splitting based on what you just assigned here? Just what I assigned, okay? So you're going to take five minutes. You're going to come up with a definition for temptation. You're going to come up for a definition of trial. And how are the two are separate, okay? And then at the end of those five minutes, you're going to elect one individual who's going to come up and tell us all about it.
to support your arguments. Oh, my God. 
So we discussed the differences, and the first thing that we talked about temptation is it's usually you also have a bit more choice. You choose to partake into it or not when it happens. Uh, as for trials, they tend to happen externally to you, and there is usually like a goal at the end of the day to get to it, uh, to, to learn during that trial. That Can you expand on that a little bit more, please? Um, I can't think of examples on the spot. That would be too much for me right now. But, um, joke. Yeah. Like, the way I see it is when you're put into through a trial, there is usually an end goal to that trial, something that you're going to learn. And it's 
like you you might not even understand what that is during the trial and you'll have a lot of questions but once it's over you will get that realization and it's, it's kind of helped you with a lot of reflections back when you look back at things you have been through especially difficult times like trials uh, you will understand why they happened a couple of time, like a long time after beautiful right. yeah beautiful that's it <laughs> Examples I need to look for you. Can you guys, uh, anybody? <laughs> Trials. Um, St. Anthony, for example, that could be a trial, right? St. Anthony is yeah. a trial? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, not, not himself, but like, I mean, what he went through was a trial. Uh, temptation. Your, your second we have still like all the answers have been taken. We are now in a very difficult position. So you guys are how what kind of trial is this? Very difficult. Well I'm sure you'll rise to the challenge. And not like you're even the one that's speaking, but you know, it's still uh, but I have to defend my I appreciate that very much. So can we have your representative? Action. No, please. <laughs> actually stole our first answer okay which is um which is? temptations are um you have a choice in okay. temptations but trials they ha just happen to you okay and the examples we had for temptation um like you're you could be tempted with hunger you could be tempted with um like any sorts of like the senses mm -hmm. but you have a choice to like stop that like temptation uh, and not partake of it um but with trials like if it's cancer or what happened to job or any of those examples like those you kind of just have to like go through it and see God's like goodness in it eventually. Um, but we're gonna have to disagree with Tony. The girl. We were just discussing that. <laughs> in terms of uh, temptations uh, happen from the devil and um, and trials are from God, because one of the verses is uh, from Corinthians ten chapter thirteen. Um, God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So in that like verse right there, technically God is the tempter. Um, and well, it says like temptations come from God. <laughs> he won't let you be tempted. <laughs> no, but in, in, like you can't say that temptations are only from the devil. Like God allowed the temptations still. He's not the tempter, but he allowed the temptation. So, if there, like, nothing comes straight from the devil alone. Like, God has to approve everything, essentially. Um, and, and then in the second verse, um, the tempter is the devil. Like, when God was tempted on the mountain, Jesus was tempted on the mountain. Um, um, 
that's what we read during Lent. So in in both cases, like God, um, like in, in the second verse, God um, had the choice, like, well, Jesus had the choice to say like no to the devil and not fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This is what we're after, right? We're after the conversation, the discourse. Do you disagree? So, so, may I uh, Now, in, in defense over here, it's just that there was a second last room and they had to come up with something controversial, which is I really appreciate that. So, <laughs> no, it's not, not controversial. Let's not hit that. Bias come from God and okay. patience comes from the devil. All in love and goodness. There's another verse that, that's going to get quoted at us right away. Go ahead. But no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt And that is? First James. again is something that can come from within but also the primary source is usually from the devil to try to um, kind of shake us and get us away from our path towards a relationship with God. Yeah. Any comments? Can, can Concerns? I, can I yes, you can. I was just, I was just thinking, temptations often take, often take you off the path. Right. I find trials kind of you back in. But At least you, that's the intention. If you accept it, though. If you accept if it, you yes. accept it. Yeah, but it's the same thing with temptation. If you commit to sin, you fall off. If you don't, you stay on. So, right. So. No, wait. Yes? No, there's there's no editing. There's no filters. Go. <laughs> no, I don't have filters if you help me with I'm encouraged. Temptation is within, and it's fighting it. Um, so I don't think necessarily comes to the devil. 
Um, and in trials, in, in the story of Job, it was the devil who said, hey, I want to do all this stuff, and God allowed it. So again, not necessarily from God, but he allowed it, okay? But he allows everything, right? That's the whole point of loving him, okay? Okay, so um, we're talking about temptations, trials, the goodness of God in all of this, the difference between temptations, the difference and trials, and we're trying to define what each of one actually means. So I didn't have time to animate the next slide, so there's a lot of text. I apologize for that ahead of time. Please don't read through, and it just will a lot faster than I'm actually going to talk to you about, okay? So a little table that talks about the differences between temptations and trials. Now, believe it or not, the top one is an actual Merriam-Webster's definition of the term, okay? So the, the, de the, the dictionary defines temptations as an enticement towards evil. And then I added that next part, or an invitation to disobey. Trials, on the other hand, is a test of faith or stamina through subjection to suffering. That is an actual definition in the dictionary. Okay? So, by that, we can say that the temptations are from the devil. Okay? Let's go to Luke 4.13, please, if somebody can pull that up. And then at the same time, if somebody can pull up Psalm 11, 5. Who's got Luke? Oh, for me to read just, just 13. Just yep. Uh, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. It's just an example of the temptation, right? Coming directly from the devil. That's all that I wanted to point out here. Psalm 11, verse 5. Nice For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, upright men will see his face. That's not it, that's four. The Lord tests. If the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked, no one who loves violence, his soul he hates. Say it again. 
The Lord does what? The Lord tests the righteous. Right. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. So trials are solely and strictly from God. Okay? Yes. So I, are we confusing trials with chastening or chastisement? Because chastisement, I would say 100% from God. Absolutely. Trials, I would say, still can be from the devil. Nope. But allowed. Nope. But Job, come on. Job, come on. That's a trial. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The devil was the one who said, right. hey, let's so do this. How is that, how is that different exactly. from who chastening? Who allowed it? Exactly. No, how is that different from chastening? It's no, the same but thing. But no, God, God can, I don't think the devil necessarily has to be part of chastising. You go, you trip on your, you trip on something, God's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. I like, like the devil wasn't part of that fall. What does chastising mean? I, but I don't think trials and chastening are the same. Okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on to the next point. Okay, the outcome of each. Okay, temptation. The whole purpose of it is to trap the individual in sin and therefore death from the devil. Right. That is the only purpose of temptation. There's nothing. No, like the devil likes it. He likes to be miserable, and he wants everyone to join him. Right? That's that. That's it. Right? The trials. The point of the trials. So can somebody go to Galatians five twenty two just to pull up the fruits of the spirit? They are. Back there, you got it. Right. Galatians five twenty two. I challenge you to say that you are experiencing any one of those fruits without a trial behind them. Right? The purpose of these trials is chastising. It's a cleansing process that occurs so that at the end of it, you experience and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Abuna? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I, I feel sometimes it's, it's though we have like person, but sometimes in practical life, it might be very tricky to determine the source. Where is this coming from? Because sometimes temptations, yes, the devil kind of portrays, puts his, uh, his, his, his traps. Yes. But sometimes, they look like they're... We run into the traps. So, so this is when St. James says temptation is coming from inside. So sometimes the devil is innocent. <laughs> innocent meaning, yeah. not, not innocent. I cannot say purely pure innocent, sure. but, but temptation is mainly coming from, or temptation, uh, 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 the traps of, of the devil helps me realize where is my weakness? Exactly. Where am I being tempted? Exactly like uh, uh, there is no fruits that can be produced without a trial. Uh, because I, I noticed there is a debate about the source. So, so I, I, I believe sometimes this could get very tricky. Was the Lord who provided the trial to Job or the devil? Uh, it's a trial. It's a test. 
It is a test. Regardless, it is a test. So the devil is challenging God. If you put your son into this test, he's going to fail. But what led into Job lose his money? Right. Right? So, 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 so uh, the point that I try, that, that let's not get hung on the source of the triad, or the source, where is this coming from? And it has to be, if it's coming from this source, then it is this. If it's coming from this source, the temptation is mainly helping me see what is my weakness. And the triads are helping me produce more fruits. Right. The devil is not going to come to you like as the devil, right? He's not going to like bitch one, rant, you know, horns, all this kind of stuff, right? He's going to come where you're the weakest. He's going to come to that 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 flaw, that that one thing that you love the most, and that's where he's going to enter. That's where that temptation to pull you even deeper, right? So whether it's like. You know, you're going out for, let's say, you go out for sushi every, what is it? I know it. What is it? Every Wednesday, Friday? Wednesday, Friday? Well, I'll show you well. Every, every, thir every Thursday night after eating sushi, right? Every Thursday night, you, uh, right after the meeting, right, it starts off very simple, very like har harmless, you know, for fellowship's sake, let's go out for sushi. Great. Everybody loved it, you know? All right, now, let's go more elaborate. Let's go find that restaurant that has, you know, those little robots that go all the way around to bring you the food or whatever. That's a better experience. No, 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 you know what? Let's go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. Let's hang out there. That's the best place to go for it, right? Now, let's hit it harder. Let's go. Now it becomes gluttony, right? There's the sin. It started off very innocent, right? But he found your weakness. Love all those, whatever it is, sashimi. That's a very easy weakness to find. Isn't it? It's a great analogy. I'll tell you, so growing up. It makes so me I, feel bad about going to all you can eat sushi. I will make you feel better in just about five seconds, okay? You said if you wanted all these three together, when sushi has all the three right. requirements. The, the robot. The robot, yeah. Uh -huh. Where is it? When sushi. When? Yeah. Oh, beside nativity. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I came up with there now? So I grew up, okay, I, I grew up in Edmonton. Edmonton is the birthplace of all-you-can-eat sushi buffets. And there's literally no limitations, right? You think a bunch of hicks up in north are not going to understand sushi or eat sushi. So we used to go out as a church group. In the youth group in groups, I know, I know, because I used the term very. It was very unchristian of us what we did, to be perfectly honest with you. We walked into the restaurant, twenty of us. We'd say, three hundred pieces of your salmon sashimi, three hundred pieces of your tuna sashimi, three hundred pieces of whatever other sashimi, hundred and fifty of the of the sushi, hundred and fifty of this, and it was the copious amount of food that we would consume as a group, all in the name of fellowship. To the point that actually, and I kid you not, one time we made a Japanese sushi restaurant run out of rice. 
I love sushi, but I don't eat it as much anymore. The mercury that flows through me right now is unhealthy for anyone to be around me. Temptations and trials, important to make the differentiation. Yes, like Abuna said, the source might not be important to understand. However, when you are speaking to somebody who is outside of the faith, you can always rest back on the idea that trials are always from God for a specific reasoning, for making you better, improving you. Temptations are completely different But you don't have to take my word for it. We can always listen to the words of Morgan Friedman. Who knows who that is? I don't think there's a demon. So let, huh? I don't think there's a demon. There isn't? It's Freeman? Sure, whatever. Potato, potato, right? If he called a rose by a different name, it would smell less the same. Right. So, let me set the scene up, okay? Has anyone seen the movie Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty, right? This is, no, this is the restaurant scene. Okay, so at the, begin, the beginning of the movie, have you seen this movie? Okay, so the beginning of the movie, it starts off as a very dysfunctional family. And the wife is actually at wit's end to the point that she falls down on her knees and prays to God and say, God, we want our, I want my husband back, the father of my children back. He's too busy. We want him to come back to this family to engage and we become a family again. Okay? Whole long story happens that God comes to this guy and he, and he thinks he's now uh, Noah, and he has to build an ark, and he, this is like in modern day 20th century, and all the animals come, and then whatever, 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 okay? So now at one point, the woman said, this man is now crazy, he's hearing his, uh, voices, and God, he thinks that God is speaking to him, she takes the kids, and leaves this man. She goes to a restaurant, or a pit stop, wherever it is, and God, Morgan, free slash Friedman comes to her and says, Excuse me, can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me, are you alright? Yeah. No, it's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? You heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> The guy was building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Knowing the ark. You know, a lot of people get the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about the, the ark? Well, I think it's a love story. About believing in each other. You know, the heavens showed up in Paris. They stood by each other, side by side. Just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark. Side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Here it is. Sounds like an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prays for courage, does God give them courage? 
Do you think perhaps Samson would warm fuzzy feelings? Or does it give them opportunities to love each other? Trials are opportunities for growth. We use this verse as a catchphrase. God is love. Have you read of this before? God is love. Have you used this before? God is love. God is love. It doesn't say God loves. It says God is love love. When something is something else, in this situation, love, God is incapable of the evil. It's not in his nature. The temptation that is meant to push you down, to break you, to pull you away from uniting with him is definitely not from him. But because he is love, he'll always provide a way out. Thank you for saying that earlier. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And we've, and we've talked about this, that sometimes the temptation is, is just us, right? There's nothing that's new under the sun that's happening here. This is part of who we are. We have this inherent weakness that allows the tempter, the devil, to actually use that against us to pull us down. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And this is my absolute favorite part. This is crucial, because for however dark it gets, for however bad it gets, you will always have this in the back of your mind. This is not beyond my capacity. That's how strong you are. That's how sure God is. Because let's face it, if he gave you something that is beyond your capacity and you fall, you're never going to get back up again. He always makes a way of escape that you may be able to to bear it. But what happens when we fall again and again and again? You stand up. You stand up. Yeah, the Proverbs fall seven times get up eight. That's right. Or the other one where hmm? Or? Oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know your English very well. Uh -huh. Do you want to be happy? You might. You don't like float you over the east and Whenever I fall, I will rise again. I will rise again. And the rest of it also So we will fall. It is, it is inherent to us that we fall. So what do we actually do? I'm going to give you the Sunday school answers first. Okay? Then there's a, a, another part. And I say these as the Sunday school answers because we've heard them, huh? Because mm -hmm. we've heard them since we were, what time did you guys, when did you guys start attending Sunday school? 
Free K, JK, whatever it is, JK, shall we say? Yeah. Free K, you were just like, you know, being babysat. So, JK, you've learned about repentance, right? The idea of repentance is not that you go over the very luxurious life and on your deathbed you say, sorry, God, that's not repentance, right? Repentance is simply accepting that you have erred, that you have fallen. You're accepting the inevitable, if you will. And then you confess, and you know that if you have been baptized and you've received the chrismation in this church, you understand that all of these actions are meant to ignite the fire of the Holy Spirit which resides in you. We oversimplify our Sunday school answers. We say, we've heard this a million times, but do we actually know what it means to do this in earnestness? The purpose of it is to ignite the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed the Virgin Mary that allowed for Christ to become man. The same Holy Spirit which revolved over the deep before God created. The same Holy Spirit that landed as a dove on Christ proclaiming the Trinity to the world. The same Holy Spirit that gave the disciples the power to stand up and die for Christ. Sometimes our actions quench the Holy Spirit. And we're very good at that. But this is what we need to do in order to light that flame again. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't give you the next one. So, you mentioned it. You mentioned it. You said that sin feels good. Right? It releases, what did you say? Uh, Endorphins. What did you say? Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. So, let me talk to you a little bit about anatomy, okay? So we have, we are built to actually be happy. Okay? That is, that is our, our chemical and physiological composition. We are meant to be happy. Right? That's how Christians were identified in the Old Testament. Or, yeah, just at that you know, inception of the church. Is that they were happy people. Right? Can you say that you are a happy Christian? Can people look at you and say by the joy that is in you that you are Christian? Right. So, let's talk a little bit more about that. Okay? Sin of whatever, right? Let's go back to gluttony, because, you know, that's where I am at right now. Feels great, right? You eat, and you eat, and you eat, and it's delicious, and you salivate at the anticipation of that sashimi, the little combination of the soy sauce with the wasabi, the ginger for the palate cleanser, you know, the warmness of the rice with the coolness of the, of the fish, 
you're just, it's delicious. You're gonna make everyone fall. I'm gonna make everybody fall into it tonight, right? That's right. That's right. That's my aim. I was hungry when I came in. Now, and now you're just. But you know, when you enjoy that one bite that comes in, right? The body actually says, oh, this is so good. There's a chemical called dopamine, ladies and gentlemen, that gets released into your body and it permeates and takes over the frontal processes and thinking, the high processes, right? And it says, pleasure. Pleasure, right? Too much of a good thing. However, Dopamine is, forms a pathway, right? So your neurons, you know, the dopamine starts to go through, okay? And you experience that one thing, and it's like, ooh, great. Then the next time it happens, guess what happens? More dopamine is actually released. That's how addictions form. Here's a quick question, Abuna, don't answer. Um, <laughs> How long does it take for an addiction to start to develop? How, what's the frequency that it has to happen before an addiction can develop? 40 days. Okay. No, it does. Maybe a couple hours or minutes or something like that. Yeah, I feel like it's a short period of time. Shorter. I'd say, like, does it depend on the threshold? Like, how much dopamine? Because uh, was re I was reading about hey, this. No, I mean, if it's you take once, yeah. Once. Yeah. You take cocaine. So once, yeah. the dopamine gets released. The second time, the pathway itself is actually now wider yeah. and bigger and requires a bigger push of dopamine to achieve the same level of pleasure. Yeah. So you get deeper and deeper into whatever brought you it becomes your craving, what we call high dopamine activities, right? And so more, 300 pieces of sashimi later, you're finally satisfied. That sin is now ingrained, okay? Now, the physiology of it is that you can actually reverse that, okay? And you start off by the very first thing and most important thing is the detoxification that's up there. What does that mean? That means abstinence of whatever the stimulus is. And it has to be for an uninterrupted period of time, no less than one week. So do you get withdrawal? Yes. You're cranky. You're miserable. Nobody wants to be around you, so it's great because you're in isolation. Nobody even needs to sniff to know that you're going through this. One week of you actually cutting whatever sin out cold turkey. Then the next step comes in where you're starting to reprogram that mind, where we take whatever that stimulus is, we now start to engage again into the stimulus but immediately follow it with what we call a low dopamine activity. So the sushi is what brings you like great joy. You go and you eat the sushi and you immediately follow it by the compliant prayer. The idea here is that you're trying to trick 
your mind or your physiology into believing that whatever that second activity is, is the one responsible for the dopamine rush. Research that's uh, Dr. Shulton, psychiatrist in the US, somewhere, it's actually doing this. So, this is advanced stuff. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Not cool. <laughs> um, after you have tricked your brain into thinking that the secondary activity is the one that is responsible for the high stimulus, you start to wean out the high stimulus. And every time you get the craving for the sushi, you go and you say your compliant prayer. And slowly, you become addicted to the new thing. At the end of the day, you want to be here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. How's your hair, guys? Mediocre at best? Okay. Uh, so, Abuna is George, okay? I love the man, right? All his material obviously is in Arabic, so I will translate, right? He says, you want to be at the point in your life where you say, the devil comes up to you and goes, come here. And then you say, what do you want? And so the devil goes back, where are you? I want to come and see you. And you say, in the secret place of the most high, come find me. You get it? Say it in your Get it? You're in the bosom of the father. If he wants you. Like whoever wants to talk to me, go talk to my dad. There you go. Questions, comments, concerns. This is where we're at with temptations and trials. You got the Sunday school spiritual part. You got the physiological part. What questions do you have for? None. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned like what to do when we fall into the sin. Yeah. The temptation part of it. Yeah. But you mentioned what to do when you're in a trial. Like, what what is the right way of receiving that trial? With grace. Great Sunday school answer. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? So here's the thing. Here's the, the here's the caveat that you're absolutely right. I did not mention. Right. For you to be able to differentiate between temptation and trial, you have to be self-aware. Absolutely. And to know God is to know yourself, right? And so you have to be aware of where your weaknesses are. So that when you see them, you say, oh, this is not from him. This is from him. And when you see the trial is coming, you say, that's very clearly not my garbage. Because this is, I can't even come up with this thought. 
this is coming from external. So it must be for him. And then you become aware of saying everything happens for the good for those who love the Lord. No? Self-awareness. Any other questions? Great. Can you tell us more about your second character? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, I've never read about the the high dopamine activity, low dopamine activity. You you can figure out what they are for anybody. But the thing is, when you get that spike, whatever activity gives you that spike, it immediately, it's like a motivation or a mood or whatever, and then it dips. Yeah. That's when people feel miserable. Yeah, that could be that could develop into a million things. Most people, like when we go through these things, it's we're not very conscious of it. We just feel. Yep. Right. So then, when we when we act and we feel miserable, we just try and go to the like we pivot to the next thing. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but that requires being cognizant of what you're doing. Exactly. And doing it right away. Right. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people aren't. <laughs> you know, and it's not any fault of theirs. They're just they don't know. Right. You know, you know, a lot of people don't know. So, how does someone kind of step out, look at what they're doing, okay, go back in and change it? Because, I mean, a lot of that happens organically during, you know, when we uh, when we fast. You know, if we do it like we're really militant on it. Yep. But when we, when we're not, or you know, when we try or half. Or to become lax. Yeah. Lukewarm? Yeah, when we're lukewarm, right? It's very easy to, you know, kind of fall back into something. Ah, some chocolate, 2% milk, right. cheese, whatever. You know, it's, I'm not right. really breaking my fast. God knows hearts. Yeah, yeah. But then you get you get that spike again. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you kind of, you're kind of starting, not really starting your fast over. Maybe yes, maybe no. But you see where I'm going with this. I do. So then how do you kind of focus on that? How do you recognize it and how do you go about it? So, Sorry, that was really gaffed. No, that was that was a. Uh, you're an MD. I'm not an MD. So okay. Just read a lot. Okay. Um, so the idea here is, we do have that crush. Yeah. Right. And what most of us do is that we wait until that crash happens, and then we and then we start to feel guilty. Yes. Right. And we feel really guilty to the point that we start to try and do something positive. Okay? To try and get out of that guilt. Now, unfortunately, the brain reward system is now crashed to the point that if you start to do something highly dopamine involved when you're feeling guilty, you're going to associate the guilt as what gives you the dopamine high. Mm-hmm. And there is there's a, those crucial moments where self-awareness will show up, whether you like it or not. And you will have that realization to say, this is not healthy. Right? God is good. He will not give you more than what you can handle. <laughs> you can say that as a, again, just with your other people. 
but the idea here is that you're trying to minimize or you're trying to address it before you start to feel guilty. And regardless of the action that happens once, twice, and you feel great, you will, in the back of your mind, have the realization that this action, even though that it feels fantastic and amazing, you know that it's not right. Right? So there's, there's still that, that frontal cortex is still actually engaged now in the process. And you have to interrupt the pattern. You only need to do it once, twice. And then actively and with perseverance, you can break it. Now, generally, when, we, when we're trying to like detoxify an individual's addiction, sorry, where is that? I don't know why it's not showing up. Anyways, the, when we're trying to, we say that there's two sources of control, okay? Before you get to the point of self-regulation, you need an external source of regulation. We need somebody to hold you accountable for the process. And we usually get a person's parent, partner, whoever it is who has a vested interest in this particular person to help them out with the self-control part. So where they see the high level of like dopamine activities, the bad activities are occurring, they say, stop. Let's do something else. They redirect. That's a four-week process in this breaking of addictions, right? And so if you now choose to say, keep harassing Abuna every day and say, I've now fallen into this. I need you to stop me every time, or I will call you every time that this happens. That's a source an external source before you are ready to, to start to realize the benefits that are happening and then you regulate yourself. Sam, what is the point of that? Yeah. Can you elaborate for? I uh, everybody here at Sunday school in the class. Everybody knows Sam Moses. Keep going. Come on. Sam Moses, you guys don't know Sam Moses is black. Who doesn't know Sam Moses is black? Talk to me after. Sam Moses is black. Gangster, you know, he lived a full life of, uh, you know, all the, uh, uh, sheep. Okay? He liked a lot. He ate a lot. Yeah, he, he, used say, he used to see the sheep, like you know, like that's how big he was. He was a big guy, and um, think of like Shaquille O'Neal, like you know, you're like a big dude. And anyways, him, he uh, at a certain point got, uh, you know, uh, outreached him in his own way, and he ended up uh, in, in the deserts where the monks are, and uh, he had uh, he ran into uh, a Buddha. Isidorus the priest, and Isidorus the priest became his father in confession, and that guided him essentially like the external source of control that you're talking about here. St. Moses of Black started to live a life of repentance, but it was a struggle. It's sort of like he was trying to break his life of addiction, and uh, he, during his time of like, you know, in his isolation or a seclusion, the devils tempted him, and he, he came to father confession seven times in, in one night, telling him, I, the devil keeps fighting me with my old habits, my way of life, and he told him, go back, yourself and keep trying again and so I, I feel like this what you said there is the church in itself is uh, very much from like as a mother you know God gave her the blessing of having a father confession to hold you accountable for your uh, 
you know, for, for these types of addiction, because that's what sin is ultimately, when it gets a hold of you, it becomes a form of addiction, right? And so I think that the fact what you're saying now, what science is saying as uh, a good way to break this, is interesting that it actually falls back to us as, as a, like a, you know, having a father confession as part of our, our just growing up, right? Like, right. So the church had it figured out about 2,000 years ago. Science is just catching up. said that I, I thought was very also interesting, which also kind of relates to like what our Bible tells us as well, about when you fall, get up right away, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you talked about the neural path and it widens, right? The, after the first, like addiction happens, you can have one of the first like experience, right? But what's interesting is the repetitive pattern widens and it, it embeds or, you know, it makes that whole addiction much more stronger. And so the church also tells us when you fall, get up right away. Don't, don't wait for the addiction to kind of bake itself in, you know what I mean? And so I also found that very interesting with what, what you're saying with, from your perspective. Right? Uh, 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 question versus uh, uh, verification. My understanding is that once there is a type of addiction, you are addicted. Unfortunately, <coughs> once, once it is there, yeah. it is there, it's not in a hopeless way, but it is in a way that kind of to caution us because sometimes we get into the pattern of, uh, it's okay, I'm gonna fall and rise, I'm gonna fall and rise, but actually each fall and rise is kind of still giving more rise to the addiction as opposed to fixing it. So is this, is this correct from a neurological perspective? There is obviously the risk of, of the, the pathways widening again. Once they've widened, they don't contract. Right? So that's why when, when somebody falls off the wagon or falls back into the addiction, it's to a large like quantity. Right? The one drink will always lead to the bottle mm-hmm. because now the body is used to this is what's necessary to achieve that that level of high or to achieve a minuscule amount right it, 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 addiction so like absolutely that's why you always want more and more and more and more because the body requires it and so I, I was reading about this saying that, so say an opioid addiction yeah. or heroin or what have you, the stronger ones, they actually rewire your brain and it's permanent. So you could be off of it for months, years. The moment you take it again, it's as if you never left. But mm-hmm. the, again, resilience, trials and temptations, your, your, your 
brain is plastic, and what that means, it can rewire itself in a positive way as well. So that framework is there, but you don't have to go back to it. But see, this is what this is what we're, what I said. What we what I said is that when you're replacing a high dopamine activity yeah. with a low one, your body doesn't. The neurology is not as smart as, as yeah. we think that it is, or make it yeah. out to be. Yeah. Is that you trick the body yes. into now believing that this next stimulus is the one that is causing. So in essence, you're actually replacing an addiction for an addiction. But what you're trying to do is replace it with a positive addiction, right? If it becomes sport, or if it becomes the compliant prayers, or if it becomes the ending of liturgies, or, or whatever, if that becomes the source of your joy. There is a, you know, like, uh, maybe Abune, you could, maybe this is appropriate with, with respect to what's being said as well. Like, the, the talk about when a, the devil's cast out, or a demon is cast out for a person, he goes and wanders uh, about. And if the person, at a certain point, comes back and finds the house orderly, he brings back seven additional demons to dwell in that specific person, which also sounds like this addiction to me, like where a person relapses, the addiction itself comes back in a much more seven times stronger, if you will, in that. Do you know the verse I'm talking about, or did I lose you? Yeah. I feel like that that's very similar in that sense, that you know, a person that's, uh, you know, once they get their house in order, <coughs> you know, if they do relapse, you know, it tends to relapse in a much stronger,